Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Hello, parents. I'm Aaron Huey. Thank you for being here with me. And you are here with me with one of my favorite guests. I'll sing John's praises in just a second. First housekeeping, please listen, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a review here at Beyond Risk and Back. It helps families who need help find the help they need. Now, I'm going to sing John's praises. John, I met in Cape Cod uh, during a mental health and addiction conference years ago uh, when it came time for Beyond Risk and Back's uh, 200th show. uh, He was my go-to to to have as the guest. So please make sure you listen to our other shows. John is a therapist and a coach in Pasadena, California, who specializes in working with the LGBTQIA plus youth and their families during the coming out process. He's authored a bunch of publications and is a massive support, nationally recognized. We were just talking off the air about some of the people we both worked with and the reason why I have him back, despite the fact he's been on Ricky Lake, uh, Oprah's Network, Bravo, Fox, all of them, is that John's book is out. And we got to help John promote his book. Um, he has a, he has a, 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 been in columns for the Huffington Post, the Washington Post. This, this guy's good. And... One of the things that I appreciate so much about John is that he has been out there in California helping facilities work with the LGBTQIA plus communities who are still in such dire need. They still live in an environment of violence, massive judgment, misunderstanding, on and on and on. And so, as always, bringing John back to support our parents so that we we can we can be better parents if our children trust us enough to, to share these sacred moments with us. But even if it's not our kid, that we can be there for other parents whose kids are coming out to them and these parents just don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand. And John has always been so eloquent. John, you have always been so eloquent in helping parents and teens come out. And so thank you for being back on the air with us and my audience. I dig you, man. Well, you know, the two of us just hanging out is always a good time. So I'm really happy to be here with you again and also to be here for all the parents who are joining us today. Let's jump in. You've done this work so much. It was the book uh, just an opportunity to reach more parents or was it time? Have you always been planning to write a book? What's the purpose behind Out? Well, I will put it to you this honestly. All of the people in my life have always said, you've got a book in you. And I was just like, okay, okay. Okay. And then I actually got approached by my publisher. They found me from some other work that I had done. And it turned out to be the perfect time to bring this together, especially with the world we're living in right now, where there's so much anti-LGBTQ youth legislation going through. It was a time to create a resource for parents to be able to go to, to sit back in the middle of the night when they're going through all the fears of how they can best support their kid who's coming out and be able to connect with someone and just have a really beautiful, informed, reasonable, and occasionally humorous conversation. Is there a reason in your mind? Let's 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 just talk politics for a second. Is your reason? Is there a reason in your mind, or a reason that you can see that so much of the legislation and vitriol is coming out now and not before? 
we seem to understand it more now. We seem to all be more exposed to it now. And now the legislation's coming out. Why now? I think one of the reasons is, is because all of the legislation is very fear-based. And for any parent, what do you want most for your kid? The safest, most beautiful experience growing up. So if you're starting to hear all these concerns and questions that go against your personal belief systems, you're going to want to fight against that for your kids. So there are lots of reasons why is it showing up right now. It's a rallying point. It's a thing where people can point a finger and say, that's an other that we don't approve of or like or want in our lives. So let's find a way to use that as a political sphere to bring people together in this this voice of hate. And it's so unfortunate to be sitting in the middle of this, especially because it's not just us adult LGBTQ people who maybe have like resources to talk with and people to connect to and ways to decompress over this or take action. It's the fact that these kids who are on social media 24-7 are seeing these messages and is bringing up fear for them. And I think that's where we really need to be able to step in. And it really, it has to be fear because we still also, in the midst of all the news about the legislation and the suicide rate amongst our LGBTQIA plus youth and the the resources in some places and the denial of resources in other places, then out of a very conservative state comes a massive child uh, um, uh, child abuse trafficking, you know, sex focused, police bust and there are conservative politicians, there are conservative uh, um, ministers and not one drag queen was involved in this process, you know? Mm -hmm. So when, not when, how, John, how do we look at people who are afraid and fear comes from not understanding Mm-hmm. My my son said this once. It was it was so beautiful the way my son said it. He said, "Anybody who knows somebody who's LGBTQIA and is friends with someone or has a family member of someone has no issue with pronouns." Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's the everybody who's who doesn't have connection, a direct connection to the experience, or doesn't know they do, has a problem with it. And it was just his way of saying. To know is to to trust, to like, to love. So how do we, are books enough? How do we spread this message? How do we teach? God, there's so many questions in that. Do you even know what I'm trying to <laughs> well, ask? Let me slow it down for just a moment. and say, No, faster, more, this, let's get. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why the book's important. This is why it's important for me to get out and be a public speaker. This is why it's important for me to send the introduction, to do trainings, to do these big shows and stuff, is to have these conversations so that who I am as a person, a queer man, living my life with my husband, adding a lot of value to our community is seen and visible so that I do become someone who you can say like, oh, I met that John Sovak person. He was really beautiful, nice, and compassionate. I really, really like him. Met his husband, fell in love with him. They're wonderful people. And sometimes there's this mix between how we do activism and education and how we do this other piece of the puzzle by being visible in the community. And that visibility, I will tell you honestly, can be a little bit challenging at moments because I am highly visible in the work that I do. 
which means I'm also someone who that people will go after sometimes. And you got to develop a thick skin. I have to develop resources around myself for support. But it's so important to me to be a person who can come out with compassion and love to create a space where maybe a little bit of change can start to happen. And that little bit of change, once it starts going, I always like that image of, remember the cartoons you were growing up and they'd have a snowball at the top of the hill and they'd start it rolling down the hill and they'd get like chickens and ducks and the gate in it and all this stuff. And by the time it got to the bottom, it was enormous and, and it just like rolled through everything. And I think of myself as being at the top of that hill, rolling this snowball down and trying to just push through all of this vitriol and hate. People think that there's a, an indoctrination going on. Where does that misunderstanding come from? I don't feel it. But why do people think that? Well, if you really want to look at the story of indoctrination or grooming, as it's sometimes called, if anything, it would be the other way around. Because cisgender, uh, heterocentric stories are the dominant story that we see in every waking moment of our lives. Right. So if anything, I should feel like I'm being groomed to be straight that I'm being groomed to be, you know, a cisgender, heterocentric, like, let's go to the football game and have kids type person. Um, that's what society tells me is is right and, and is supposed to be the, the path that I'm supposed to follow. And so I think about this, and especially as a parent, if your kid comes out to you, they are choosing a path that is going to have a lot of different energy about it. They're going against what the social construct is. And so Finding that support, finding that love in that space can be so important and so valuable in the growth of not just the kids, but also all of the adults around them. There was a very interesting conversation that I had with some friends who were commenting on the amount of, you know, how gay marriage is being normal. There, see there again. Uh, and I want to get back to my story, but it, I don't, I still am calling it gay marriage. It's just marriage. Mm -hmm. It's just a marriage. Mm -hmm. What they were saying was, you know, it's just in our faces. It's always in our faces. Why do they, I don't want to watch two guys kiss. Why do they have to do it? It's like, because they've been watching men and women kiss for how long? Yeah. How long has that been okay? How long has that? And that doesn't seem to land. It doesn't seem to register that there still seems to be a protection around this is the way it should be? Well, there's a really beautiful quote, and I can't remember who it's from, and I'm, I'm going to mess it up, but I'll just go with this idea, that as long as the hunters are the ones who are telling stories, lions will never be the heroes. Huh. And so if the dominant sure. story is like, we are in the right, we are the best, we are the pinnacle of, anytime when you don't belong to that very small group at the top of that pyramid, you're going to be viewed as less than. And I think that's a really challenging experience to live under. And, you know, sometimes a lot of parents say, well, why did my kid choose this? And I said, if I was going to choose anything, would I want to choose a way of life that is currently under a microscope, that currently is demonized, that currently has a lot of vitriol and hatred moving towards it? This is not a choice I would make. A kid coming out is actually bravely living their truth, knowing that all of this exists out there. So that's, that's, that's a little bit of the answer I would put out there. So now we, we've got the parents, we, we're establishing the social commentary of what these children, what adults who are, you know, are LGBTQIA plus brothers and sisters and, and, you know, gender neutral and, and just all of it to the, the commentary working against them, still your child says, 
today, now, I'm going to say it, and, and whether the parrot knew, had a suspicion, or is completely blindsided it, I want to go deeper than when we say, what do we do? I want to go deeper than listen, because I hear that from everybody. Mm-hmm. Just listen to your kid. Listen to your kid. If you're not listening to your kid, you're probably not listening to this episode <laughs> or any other of my podcasts. So I want to jump deeper into the pool about support, mm-hmm. about what it means to become an advocate, even if you don't understand or agree or whatever, because this is not easy for parents when their kid suddenly says, I'm not this, I'm that. And I'm going to start being that as my this. And I need you to be with me. Well, and I think one of the first places to start with that is for parents to actually go through their own process of discovery. You know, I say in the book, I said it throughout all the trainings I do, that coming out is a family process. Your kid may come out to you, but that's going to be dropping one pebble in the middle of this pond. And it's going to ripple out through the entire family unit. And everyone in the process is going to be going through something in that experience. We're going to have feelings. We're going to have things that are going to be pushed against. They're going to make us a little bit uncomfortable. So the first thing that I think parents need to do is not just listen to their kid, but also listen to themselves, to listen inside and notice, what do I feel comfortable and affirmed with? What is challenging for me? And then work with a spouse, have that conversation with them. This is not a conversation to be having with your kids. This is one to do outside of that sphere. Um, get information through reliable sources online, such as PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. They have great information there for you as a parent to dive into your own anxieties, your own feelings, your own buttons that are being pushed. Because here's the deal. You may be the most affirming parent in the world, and you're like, I will support my kid when they come out. It's no, it's not going to be a challenge to my psyche and my well-being. I hate to tell you this, but it is. Okay? <laughs> Don't lie to yourself. This is going to be a challenge for you. Because even for kids who grow up in very affirming families, they have that moment. The anxiety level is through the roof for kids when they decide that they're going to come out to their parents, even if they know it's a very affirming, supportive household. So you have to recognize that anxiety level is so high in that moment. The heart's racing, the blood's pumping, there's, there's sweat on their palms. And in that moment where they share this information with you, For every parent, the most important thing you can do is simply hug them in close and tell them, I love you. That is the number one foundational piece that I think parents need to bring into that moment. Your brain may be ricocheting all over the place with questions and curiosities and wonders and how it's going to affect us and how do I feel about this. None of that matters in this really vital moment. Simply hug your kid close and tell them that you love them. I had had Greg Luganis on the show. He's who we were talking about before we got on the air and and had him on. He was in Colorado Springs. He had left. I came back to, to Boulder where I live and I was hoping to have it live. But in the time that he was there and the week that I got back was the Colorado spring shooting at the mm-hmm. club. And... One of the things we talk about, you just you just mentioned the the adults' brain ricocheting. That in this moment, you just just I love you, hold them tight, say I love you. Everything else can come after that, but that's got to be first. I adore that. What's going on in the parents' head is again all the news that we're inundated with. There are shootings. There is bullying. The suicide rate goes up. The depression anxiety rate doesn't go up. 
that's one thing I've come to understand with with these children, these youth who want to come out and can't. Their their depression and anxiety is not going up. They've been suffering from it in a in a larger amount than than cis kids. I mean, there's there's a because th- this anxiety and this this depression of not being able to come out, it's been haunting them. So now the parent the parent pulls what we call the Sovec method. And <laughs> it's it's like it happens, you grab them, you hold them to your heart, and I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. But inside, your kid has just told you that they're part of a community that has accelerated suicide rates and accelerated violence towards them. What do you do about that? How do you reconcile that? How do you protect your kid when they're saying you're first now I'm going to go out into the world and be me. And you're like, don't keep it secret. Be safe first. Well, one of the things that's really important to understand, especially when we're looking at suicidal rates, um, depression, and anxiety, if an LGBTQIA kid has one adult just one adult in their world who is supportive of who they are, then that those rates drop by 50%. Holy That's just one mackerel. adult. So as a Does parent, it have to be a family member? It does not. And that's a thing that's really powerful. A lot of the schools that I work with and do trainings with them, we find what we call safe teachers within the school system. And there are ways of designating who they are, and they have safe classrooms. And let's say I've had a really rough lunch and I was bullied. I can go to the art teacher's room, no questions asked, and sit down and know that I'm in a safe and supportive space. That visibility is really, really vital for the safety and well-being of these kids. But the parent can become that first bastion, that first place of like, I see you, I support you, I love you. And even that acknowledgement of that moment drops a lot of those levels down. You know, I remember when I came out, one of my mom's things that was really, really funny is she said, oh, I'm just so worried about like, there's a lot of drugs and alcohol in that world. And I was like, that's your first thought, huh? Okay. Um, But once again, if we look at this idea as if we grow in a supportive, loving, nurturing, expansive space, then those ideas of turning towards substance use to manage feelings, it lessens. And these are all pieces of the puzzle that can come together if we deal with our own anxiety as a parent so that we can be present for our kids. It's the strangest thing, some of the responses that adults give in those moments of panic, unknowing, fear, whatever's coming out. I, I remember uh, my my first wife and I, we were in Reseda, California, and we were managing, she was assistant managing a massive apartment complex. I was on the maintenance team. And the the man, my my maintenance partner, we did everything together, was gay. And he was telling me when he came out to his dad. And the first thing his dad said was, "But but you work on cars," and that's a that's a panic response. That's a fear response. That's a that's I'm confused and I don't know how to communicate my confusion response. Is it is it realistic to tell parents to hold off on everything? just give love and and the hugs and talk later? Is that realistic? Are parents really going to do that? Well, hopefully by hearing this conversation today or reading the book, they will know that that's a great first step to take. Because once again, like you say, in those moments, those questions will become panic-based questions. Because a parent's brain will automatically go to the safety of their child, the fears for their child. So the questions that come out will probably be based on that. 
So once again, this stepping back, this process of let me inform myself, let me deal with some of my feelings and continue the conversation is a really valuable way to approach it. And that's a thing that's important too. In some families, the kid will come out and they're like, okay, cool. That's wonderful. We support you. And then nobody talks about it again. <laughs> and this is an ongoing conversation. There are pieces of growth. You know, I always think it's fascinating, like when a kid comes out to their parents and the parents are like, okay, we got this, we got this. And they work on it and family comes together. And then the kid starts dating and everything blows up again because this is a new developmental process. Oh, we have to understand how our LGBTQI kid dates. Okay. And there's this continuous growth that happens where coming out process, it's really a lifelong process. I mean, if you think about it, me even coming on here today and saying, yeah, I'm a queer therapist, that's me coming out to a whole bunch of people out there who I don't know. And it is a lifelong ongoing process. And I think that's important for parents to understand too, when we hit all of those developmental milestones in any kid's life. Is your book also for parents who are dealing with their own... I don't want to use the word hypocrisy. That's not fair and that's judgment, but the dichotomies that they're growing up with. Perhaps they're, you know, a very loving, you know, conservative family that's doing well in their community and and supports and and loving and accepting. And yet everybody in the family has been inundated with this is not okay and not normal. And there there are you know, spiritual books that reinforce the abnormality of it. And there are preachers who we know, like, and trust that are now telling us that our child is not what we see when we look at our child. Does your book, book address some of those challenges for parents? Absolutely. Because I think that's a really important conversation to have. I want to start in the most general terms with this. Most of the messages that any adult has received about the LGBTQ community came from outside sources, came from fear-based sources. When we're born, we are born clean and innocent. We don't have these beliefs that that's an other. There is no othering when we're little, little ones. All of the othering we learn is, is provided by social constructs around us, by the community, by our families, by the belief systems that we take on. So a lot of times when a kid comes out, some of those belief systems are going to be pushed against. And what I really encourage parents to look at in that moment is, do you want to continue to take on the energies from outside, or do you want to look in your heart and approach that kid that you love like so deeply? And that moment, it's a little bit of a transition. It's about looking at these messages that I've received don't align with how much I love my kid. And there's a really big piece that comes into play with the religious part as well. You know, a lot of people have a challenge with, uh, you know, equating their religious beliefs with their kid coming out as LGBTQ. And the thing that I encourage any parent to do in that moment is to go home and to sit down and you individually pray to your God, not to your church, not to your pastor, not to your rabbi, but to your God. Have that one-on-one -on -one prayer moment and see, ask the question, how, how do I support my kid or what do I do about this? And every parent that has ever gone through this experience with me comes back and says, the message I got was just to love my kid. And that right there is how we balance out that dichotomy that it can occur for some parents. Have your individual relationship with your God, and I guarantee that your God will say, love your child. Can a child, a teenager, or even 
an adult receive a parent's love, but not a parent's agreement, understanding? Are those things individualized? Are they, can they be compartmentalized? Or ultimately, do you, as a, as a parent coach, as a therapist, do you ultimately expect that love is going to also give way to understanding and support and advocacy? In the work that I do, love is the bridge to understanding. Love is the bridge to risking getting the information of educating yourself as a parent. It's a very important thing to be able to answer some of those fear-based questions that are inside of you from an insightful, powerful place. And so if you can say, I love my kid, I am willing to take that first baby step to learning more about who they are and how they're going to be in their world growing up as part of the LGBTQ community. You know, there's an interesting movement in our community, and you know, we have this phrase coming out, but we're also turning that around a little bit, and we're calling it coming in. So I want you to think of this as a parent. When your kid tells you, I'm bisexual, I'm trans, I'm non-binary, what they're actually doing is inviting you into their world. And how precious of them to create this space where you can join them in that moment. And just like if you were a guest in someone's house, maybe be on your better behavior in that moment. Tread lightly. Let them show you around the space rather than you trying to just bulldog your way into it. You know? I It's beautiful because it also denotes that this, this child is either trusting you enough, loves you enough, or is courageous enough to confront potential, I mean, in their mind, rejection, being thrown out, fear, anger, whatever comes up. But they're bringing themselves in to the home. They're bringing their full self, all of them, every part that they have spent their whole life going, you know, I, I fit. These are my parents. This is my family. But I I don't, I don't want to put words. <laughs> well, remember too, and I think I've shared this with you before, is for most LGBTQI kids, they look up at their parents and they do not see their minority status represented in the family unit. Because oftentimes their parents will be cisgender, they'll be heterosexual. So as a young queer kid, I'm looking up and seeing these parents who are not part of my minority experience. And that can cause some huge rifts. But I think if parents can understand that and say, no, I don't know what it's like to be a lesbian and trying to date in high school. I have no idea what that's like. Because as a straight person, you're in high school, everything's built around straight kids. It's about going to the dance. It's about all of these wonderful things. But if I'm a gay kid and I'm looking around to try and take someone to the dance, I have to go through an entirely different process. And it's usually anxiety-ridden and very fear-based trying to see if the person I'm attracted to might be attracted to me enough to be willing to go out in a school forum and, and have some fun. So as parents, I think it's important to understand you do not know the lived experience your kid is going through. Tell me more about the, the, the book, because I'm, I want to make sure that we cover the, the essentials or at least enough that they still have to go get the rest and purchase a book. And we want everybody. And of course, we're going to include the code that you uh, uh, sent at the end of the podcast to make sure that everybody has a wonderful voucher for getting it. Thank you for that, by the way. 
what else are we missing? Let's let's still talk about the beginning or maybe later down the road. What are we missing? What is parents? What's our growth process? How do we continue to evolve and come come out as an LGBTQIA plus family? It's not our kid who has to be our flag now. We are going to stand with our child. What's our process? Well, let's start at the very beginning and let's, we'll take a quick, like, we'll take a quick, quick stroll through the book, everybody. Here we go. Quick stroll. So, here we go. You know, we talked about this education piece that's important. And the first couple of chapters of the book are going to help you as a parent dynamically understand a lot of the language that's current in the community. You know, when you hear these words that I've been using today, like cisgender, or trans, or pieces like that, you're like, huh, what, what? I don't know what that means, non-binary? What are you telling me? So we start off with this really beautiful way of creating a language together that allows you as a parent to understand a little bit more deeply what your kid is sharing with you. We also travel through the idea of how it is a family process. We look at including the entire family in discussions, making sure you're not marginalizing any of the other kids who are in your family who are also part of this coming out process. Um, we head on look at the parent grieving process because ultimately there is a change that's happening, a loss, a difference in the family, and that process is a grieving process. And so we openly address that. We also look at the idea of having the talk. Yes, we talk about sex in the book and how to talk to your kid about sex. Oh, no. I know. But fortunately, what I do is I put a chapter on basic communication skills, and then we do the sex talk chapter. So it gives parents something to build on. And I want to I say something about this real quick. At the risk of losing any listeners, if you are going to be afraid of how John talks about LGBTQIA plus sex in the book, then I say people should check your download history. Because if you're afraid of it in a healthy environment, you already have an unhealthy view of it, buddy. So, yeah. yeah. What and we also talk about this idea of coming out in your community. And then oftentimes parents kind of get on this role and they want to move into advocacy for their community and being present with their kids and checking out school policies. So all of these components are part of the book. And then and at the end, we have this really cool thing that I put together. I call it an SOS LGBTQ 101. And it's that place where like you pick up the book and you're in panic and you go to the last chapter and it has these basic questions that a lot of parents ask. Becoming an ally. For those of us whose children we support, they're grown, as I've been involved with the community, and I, I see these guys who show up to the pride parades and they hold signs that say, you know, dad hugs you know, dad, I love yous, you know, I, and I, it, it chokes me up that we have to have someone standing out there to say, I right now will give you what your father never gave you because of who you are. Come get it right here. What does it mean to be a good ally to the community? Because I can't say that I, that I can stand in the position of a parent and understand. Um, I can't, I can say that I have, am and do and have stood in the position of a, a worker in the mental health and addiction community and have been an ally where we could talk about anything, where I could ask honest, open questions, asking about a child transitioning 
to, to, to becoming male and asking about what it's like when they have their periods and, and you know, how do you, how do you go through that process and for them to trust me enough to tell, but what, how, how do you step into the position of ally and support the community? What does this mean? And I'm not asking for placation. I'm asking because I don't know what your community needs from me. And I think a lot of people who do support the community don't know either. So I want to address a couple of parts of this that I think are really important. When you mentioned earlier about at Pride festivals that you've been to, the moms and dads who say free mom hugs, free dad hugs. I think that also shows the high stakes of how a parent reacts to their kids coming out really can be. Because why is there a need for those people to be at Pride? Because the number of kids who've been rejected and kicked out of their family. And think of this as a parent. Do you want your kid having to turn to a stranger to receive the mom or dad love that you have available to you to offer them at the, any moment when they come to you in their lifetime? And maybe you're a parent who's listening right now who kid came out and you did have a family rift. It is not too late for you to reach out and to offer them your own mom or dad hug because that's really, really important. You know, the other thing too about being an ally, you talk about being an ally to the community. And what I encourage is, well, why not start being an ally on a really small level to individuals? Because if you really look around in your life, every single person has someone in their world who is part of the LGBTQ community. How can you be an ally to that individual? How can you be present and hear their story and their experience and affirm it and love it and be supportive of it? And then use that as a stepping stone to look at, are there organizations in your community? Are there things you want to push back against? Right now, we have a huge push in schools banning books that have any type of LGBTQ mentioned in them. And there's a very organized group of people who are traveling around the country to try and stir up controversy and get these books removed. The thing is, for me as a young gay kid, if I can't look out there and see myself represented, I am going to go through a terrible internal process of figuring out there's something horribly wrong with me. So all of these things are important. So can you show up at your school board meeting and say, hey, I want to stand up and say, no, these people who came in our community are wrong, and I want to support having all representation within our library, within our schools. So start individually, move to community, and then if you're really fired up, move on to that national level and volunteer for some of these large organizations like Trevor Project or PFLAG, a human rights campaign. Step up in ways that feel authentic and comfortable for you. John, aside from the book, how are people going to follow up with you? Where, where can we send them so they can follow you, listen, like, subscribe, and share to you? <laughs> well, the best way to find me is on my website, which is johnsovek.com. You can also find me at gayteentherapy.com. I'm on Instagram at johnsovektherapy, on Twitter at johnsovek. And if you go to your favorite bookseller or online seller, you can just search my name and my book will come out. It's called Out, A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. We got you gave my listeners a 20% discount. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, we're going to post a link below that's going to take you right to a, a pre order page. I'm sorry, the order page for this. You're going to put BRB20 in there, and that'll get you your 20% discount of out. Uh, 
the A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. John Sovek. John, as always, thank you very much. Anytime you have something you want to talk about, promote anything, you have you have a, a mic and a chair here at Beyond Risk and Back. I dig you a lot. Thank you so much. I dig you too. It is so important. At the at the very at the very beginning of this process, it, when I when I first started working with with children and teens who were struggling through so many different things, I did not know how to do any of this. I did not know what to say or how to do. How could I? How you know how how could I? I didn't want to just make it up. And so, all I had was love and support. And I'm not a therapist, so I could look at a kid and say, I love you, I believe in you. And I'll do it as long as I have to until you're okay doing it for yourself. And when I when I listen to John talk, I, I come back to the, the security that that's enough. That's enough to get the process started. That's all you need. There's more to learn. Of course there's more. There's always more. There's always another support group, another book, another person to listen to and get the wisdom and then bring it home to your children. But where it's going to start, where it's always going to start is I love you. That's where it's going to start. The, the, the very first experience of that was reading Beyond the Yellow Brick Road and understanding that it was love that got me sober and it was love that is going to help us get through to whatever this world needs to do next. I don't, the separation is not sustainable. Love is. So do what John says. Love. Hold him close and say, I love you. Then go buy his book. You're going to go to johnsovek.com. You're going to go to any bookseller. Out. A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. Hit the code BRB20. That'll get you your 20%. Parents, take care of yourselves first. Your adults, your adult relationships second. And your children third. Because that's how we do our best work with our children. Big thanks to Deepin Productions. See you next week on Beyond Risk and Back.